Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Data-Driven uh, Supply Chain Podcast. Uh, today, uh, we have uh, a guest from InPilot, um, a, a great company that we already worked with for a blog post. Uh, he will be able to introduce more um, his, uh, his work uh, in the manufacturing sector and uh, talk to us about uh, labor shortage in the, in the supply chain. So, Chris, really happy to have you here. Um, talk uh, to the audience a bit about uh, your background in manufacturing sector. I think you were in aerospace. And uh, what are you doing right now? Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Yasin. And yeah, my name is Christopher. I'm co-founder of Impilot. We have a digital solution for everyone who has frontline workers. So it's not just in the manufacturing industry, although we do have clients in that sector. It's also industrial, field service, and whatnot. So yeah, basically what we do is we create that layer between the frontline worker and the complex systems like the ERP, the, the UNCRM, even the CMMS in the case of maintenance. So we simplify that for the worker. Perfect, cool, cool, cool. And what's your background a bit and how did you come up with uh, um, this need to digitalize uh, the work uh, on the frontline worker? I have a somewhat uh, interesting background, which is I started off as a chemist. I did a lot of R&D. Then I started working at Pratt & Whitney um, uh, as a contractor company. But you know, in, in those uh, companies, contractor is the equivalent of uh, an employee. Um, and then it was in aerospace manufacturing in that case. I worked on the shop floor. So uh, it was more engineering for all that was chemical. And they had a problem with quality. So that was my project with them. Um, and then I started doing more custom work on my own, more software related. And then when I joined Mango Software, which is the company that spun off in Pilot, it's then that we uh, focused on creating the product. And the idea behind it mainly was Mango was always um, doing custom work for uh, companies which many of them were in the manufacturing or industrial. The big one was with Veolia and they manage uh, Hydro-Québec's data center. And that software that we did custom for them, we took the, the good ideas and created in pilot. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, and uh, like, uh, um, uh, we've seen kind of the same, like in, uh, in, uh, in my company, the same uh, uh, setup where um, at first, we were just talking to companies, and we saw that they were all baking their own custom solution for the same problem. And then when we like researched a bit more on what was happening and interviewed people, this is where we realized the common ground uh, a bit everywhere. So uh, digitalization of uh, uh, the knowledge in the frontline workers, um, why is it such an important uh, point uh, right now in time? Um, uh, do you think? Awesome. Well, at first, when we started in Pilot, it was mainly around collecting knowledge, uh, capturing tribal knowledge, some would say. And then eventually we moved from that. But to, just to answer your question, why is it important? Obviously, there's a big labor shortage right now. I think almost every company is impacted, not only in the manufacturing sector. And it's very important to capture that knowledge from your senior technicians, senior workers, so that it's easier to onboard the new people onto it. So that's 
you know, the biggest no-brainer for, for most companies is to do that. But what I would say is that the feedback I have from the market is that they're all overloaded and they don't even have time to do that work. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Like uh, I've been in this shop floor and I've been in discussion like with like those mega big uh, companies. And, and so I've seen the both sides of the, the stuff. We, we actually discussed that with Ahmad um, in uh, our podcast, the state of labor shortage. Check this out if um, uh, you want. We also did a, a, a recap with you um, and our folks at, uh, at DeepSight. I'm going to link this into the description. But what I've seen was that um, everybody is um, overloaded. They don't have time. And they have a big leak in their uh, knowledge, which make them even more overloaded. Um, and this is a very pressing problem I've seen because on the supplier side, when they interact with like um, um, big companies that have this knowledge leakage problem because of the travel knowledge not being documented, one thing that they've said is that it's as if they were working with an amnesic company. They forget them. They forget them. They forget even how they 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 should work. Uh, so to the extreme, they even forget like where kind of are the drawing and how to like interpret yeah. them. Right? This is at this point in some of these big uh, corporations. So it's not just like a small shop problem. It's uh, honestly endemic. And then when uh, I've spent a lot of time uh, discussing with big uh, big company about this because I I naively thought that this was an easy problem to fix. And then when I talked to them, I was like, this is a mess. Like they don't have time to document this. Um, they can get their people to, to uh, do this on top of the other work because since there's a labor shortage, there are more work mm -hmm. to, on top of them. And since there's a labor shortage, it means that there's uh, more job than people. Uh, so the attrition and then the, the, uh, the roulement in their, um, in their personnel is quite high. Um, yeah. People move a lot and then they just take away their their knowledge with them. Um, so it's actually a very, very uh, pressing and important problem to tackle. Um, I have seen that you did a, a very good recap, but like in your, um, from your experience, right? Um, could you recap us the whole labor shortage situation? Explain awesome. to us like, manufacturing, like why this thing is happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But while you were talking about, you know, the retraining and everything like of the vicious cycle, like we don't have time to do it but you don't have more time to do it if you don't have the employees and the employees leave. I understand that. And we even have one example, my, my co-founder, Philippe, he talked to a company where they have an ERP and everyone inside the ERP, it's been so long since they had the last training that they have to repay the, the supplier for their ERP, another training to train the current employees. But that, that knowledge was lost. So basically you have new people, coming in and working with that ERP, not knowing how to, you know, put the correct data in it. And then that causes more problems and whatnot. So, you know, it, it's definitely a big issue. Yeah. So if you want me to recap, well, I think it's very evident that there's a problem. The labor shortage is here, but I'm more interested in like the reasons behind it. Like not just, oh, we're in the labor shortage. There's the solution, the reason behind it. And sometimes you can mix and match those and you know get, get a better idea of what's going on. You know, I'm not necessarily like more uh, informed than you, but from my perspective, what I can say is that um, most, most people, when they think about manufacturing, it's not 
very enticing for necessarily a new person that graduates. You know, tech is very hot, has been done for a while. Um, even me, myself, in, I, I, I think I mentioned in the article or the blog, I myself <laughs> left manufacturing <laughs> exactly for the reason because I felt that, you know, uh, my job security, not job security in the sense that do, will I have a job more? Uh, is it a safe environment? That part I was, you know, I was working with a lot of chemicals, et cetera. This is not what I wanted to do a long term from a personal point of view. And also for the opportunities, uh, I didn't, I felt like in manufacturing, you were more limited. It's more old school. So although I did change industries, I ended up back where I was, which is talking to manufacturers on the shop floor and uh, understanding their problems, but in a different format, which is where I helped them uh, digitize their, their uh, processes. So back to the reason. So first of all, I think is the fact that new people are not necessarily interested in going into manufacturing. And what people are doing to solve that is not, is sometimes uh, going towards immigration. Uh, we have an example of a company, yeah, a shop floor, uh, a machine shop, which is hiring a lot of people from North Africa region. And they, they have to work with the uh, immigration process, everything. But the problem is so big that they're willing to go get these employees from there and even paying the same salaries that they would pay the other employees right now here. So this is just to illustrate how, how, how big of a problem is and how, you know, how much impact it has within the manufacturers. So that's one way to do it. But overall, I feel like the real problem, yes, there's automation. Yes, you can bring automation, uh, replace jobs, uh, increase productivity. But at the end of the day, you still need people working. Like, I, I don't see how you're, a lot of people even, of times when they mention like, oh, we, we have a new software, but instead of doing the manual labor, they're entering data. So you'll, you'll still need people. That, that's my opinion. And you're never gonna replace them. All you can do is make sure they onboard quicker, they skill them faster, or you can reskill them. We have an example where that same company, which is hiring immigrants, is taking certain employees in one production line and retraining them to be able to do others uh, another production line during the weekend so it's reskilling upskilling people uh, finding new ways to get new people and of course there's solutions that can help such as in pilot if not we would not have a business but um, it's only to help it will not solve the core problem which is in my opinion there's just simply not enough people interested in manufacturing right yeah. I don't know and, what you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like I, I totally agree with the, um, your your point. There like there's clearly a demand and a supply uh, issue in this uh, uh, in this whole system and um the 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 uh, the supply issue is is tricky because it's physically bound to somewhere. Like uh, you can't just remotely hire the folks into in North Africa and they tell them like hey stay over there just sh like do my part and, and say like if you could fantastic the labor shortage will be solved right but this is kind of called outsourcing to another company so you have to bring folks physically and now what's happening and what i've seen is that um you're competing heavily uh not just geographically if people are literally changing career um and not just like staying at the same spot on the same career um you're competing against the global um uh, 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 global job industry, not just like your your own industry right now. Uh, so there's less people over there. And if like the new graduate 
are not even interested remotely to go into a shop like this, um, you have no you know have no chance, right? Yeah. The only thing that 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 is left what I, for my what I've seen is you train people from scratch, and you mm -hmm. you commit to that. So you're turning your your manufacturing uh, shop into like a kind of an academy. Literally, that's what's happening. You're giving them certification. You're giving them training. You're giving them like good benefits, and you hope that they stay there, right? Or you turn your manufacturing shop as like a uh, uh, from an immigration center to like uh, uh, I, I put these people a job and then they stay in the community, uh, which is also very tricky, not just in the fact that um, you have to make sure that they're doing their job properly. You have to ensure that they can stay there and they uh, mesh really well with the diaspora that is around the, the, the mm -hmm. whatever your shop is located. I've seen uh, some shops where it's very difficult for immigrant to uh, come because they don't speak French and they're too old to kind of um, do it like uh, um, with as much energy as the young generation, let's say. So after two years, they're like, they still don't speak French, right? Yeah. Um, so they're not meshed properly with uh, the population. So they're not very happy there, right? Why would they stay in your shop afterward? And this is very, very, very problematic. Um, so from my point of view, I think that there's um, the best way forward here is to like if you're um uh, uh doing immigration stuff ensure that there's going to be a good cultural fit wherever you are and just be like realistic about it this is very important second thing is that if you're upskilling um you do it do it like uh ensure that you can do it well and in a repeatable fashion because it's not true that they will all stay there the third thing is yeah. that you have to um, make your shop as um, um, as interesting as possible. That's that's actually very important. I've seen shop where I entered there and like, like a, a, everything was old school. People were not looking that um, that, that interested about what 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 was happening. And I've entered shop. I was like, this is the future. There was like automation going on. There was yeah. one guy with like three set up around him. Uh, it looked cool. I was like, yeah, this is great. And they had a gym inside also. Um, so. Yeah, I think this is this is kind of where it, it will go, but there's it's a supply and demand uh, uh, problem. So uh, the, jumping into this, like this is the labor shortage right now, right? What do you think uh, with the like uh, the likelihood of a recession coming up um, in this whole system? How, how do you think it will impact uh, the whole uh, uh, the whole problem set? Well. If I knew, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I'd be somewhere else. But, <laughs> but it, like, we don't know for sure. But there's probably a recession coming on. Is it going to, you know, reduce demand and produce goods, and then jobs will be cut? Maybe we don't know. Or is it gonna, you know, rebalance the 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 different industries and so that more people will be interested? You know, if you lose your job in tech, maybe you'll see manufacturing aid. They pay well, good benefits. Okay, I don't mind staying in a factory. Like maybe that'll come into play. I don't know. To be honest, like I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm thinking manufacturing will be the most impacted, but I'm not sure. I could I couldn't really tell you. What are your thoughts? I'm more interested to know. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah. Well, well, this whole problem. I, I was thinking about it as a supply and demand 
um, mm-hmm. issue. For me, it's kind of it's kind of this. It's just that the rule of the game pre-pandemic and right now kind of changed. Um, I think that it will lessen a bit the pressure uh, because, like uh, a year from now, it was it was a it was a pressure cooker. Like uh, um, everybody was freaking out about getting more people to do the job, and the demand was skyrocketing. Um, if you were looking at the, like the suppliers, um, they had much, much more uh, job coming their way than they could handle. Um, and mm-hmm. since they could hire people, they couldn't get more job in. So they were kind of rate limited by their own size, um, which is okay because they have enough job coming in. Um, so I think that there's, there's going to be a rebalancing out. Um, yeah. It's already happening in the tech sector. Um, but I don't think it will stay like this. I think like it's just like a temporary, um, um, a temporary like trough into uh, into this. I think that's 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 the game now. Like uh, uh, mm-hmm. if nothing changed in this industry, there will still be labor shortage, while other industries try uh, are able to fix it up. Like the whole manufacturing industry need to figure out how to get people in the shop floors, right? Uh, in those, uh, um, even the desk jobs, like uh, if you're quoting on stuff or if you're doing like uh, admin work for a manufacturing company, uh, you have to make it uh, something that people are interested as a career to grow in, into. Um, so I think this is this this will stay. It's still it's still it still will be um, an issue. I think it's just a less painful painful one for a while, uh, but definitely I think that uh, uh, it will be a be a bit less pressure on the on this front. Yeah. That's my thing. Yeah. Uh, right. yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So if you're listening to this in uh, 2024 and you think that uh, what I said is completely stupid, send me a DM and we can talk about that. Um, perfect. So uh, uh, I want to jump into more of like um, your 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 spot, your your sweet spot. Uh, I want to understand what's your thought about uh, how our business uh, managing change and digital transformation in this space and a bit around. Because you're handling this a lot with uh, your digitalization of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Well, usually when we work with companies that go from paper to digital solutions, that's where you have the biggest gap to fill, and people or workers are not, you know, inclined to start using a tablet where they were used to using paper. So, what we've seen when we talk to to uh, companies is that they have to, you know. How can I say this? Like a massage it in. Like they would start talking to the employees two years in advance, <laughs> say, Hey, Eric, we're gonna, you know, do this. It's inevitable. It's gonna come. Like, it's gonna come. You'll 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 work your way into it. And you need to prepare them. You need to have a plan. You can't, you know, just come in and change everything for overnight. He knows, like he specifically told us, if we use your solution today two people are going to quit and <laughs> the most senior are going to quit immediately. And that's why, you know, you need to have a plan. You need to ease it in, massage it in, you need to discuss it openly. Uh, and there's reasons why they don't want to use it. Maybe it's difficult for them. It's easy for us, you, for you and me, right. To, to use a tablet for them. It's not as convenient. So as long as you work with them, it's open, there's a good relationship and you understand that, uh, it's a difficult change to embrace. Um, I think that's the the, per, the the good way to approach it. It's not just saying use this or you know you're you're not good. Um, so those are my thoughts. So we have that example of that company, but most company is to embrace change in bite sized pieces. 
some people is the opposite. The, the, the manager or the business leader is trying to innovate everything at the same time. We see that often. And the problem with that is that they have a lot of needs. They don't prioritize and they, they have inside their head a, a solution that would solve everything at once. And it's not the good approach, in my opinion. It's better to start small, right. have small wins, and then progressively integrate more. And then, then eventually all the businesses, uh, um, you know. Yeah. That's what that the ERP is for, right? Yeah. To just solve every problem. <laughs> you, just, you, know, you go there, you get SAP, like a multi-million yeah. dollar deal for five years, and then you're, you don't have to do anything anymore. Everything is automated, 4.0, let's go. Um, totally agree with you. Uh, uh, there's a... There's a lot of companies that um, in a different level of maturity. I've seen it every time. Like uh, uh, if there's someone that is too eager to change stuff, right? It's both, it's both a blessing and a curse because they could mess they could mess it up bad for everyone for years to come, right? Uh, if they if they choose the wrong project and go too big and try to rally everyone, and then people are like, okay, let's give it a shot. This guy is convincing, and then the thing just flops. It's dead. People are like, "Hey, I'm, I, I'm not. It's not helping me at all, and I'm just pissed off now because this thing sucks, right?" Um, I've, we've seen that a lot with uh, uh, in our in our company with uh, 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 people that try to change too much too fast, uh, and this mm -hmm. leads to burned out people uh, with with a reason because they have, they still have to operate their things. It's not like magically tomorrow I have a new process and things. Uh, things that I have to do training, and if it's complicated, a complicated beast. That involve everybody while this is ongoing i'm already pissed off because it disturbing is disturbing my flow uh, the best 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 solution like you said um are kind of uh, uh allow you to take baby steps and are modular enough that you don't need to do the whole thing right if the future that you envision is this whole thing fantastic where does it hurt the most first is this thing mm -hmm. this little thing let's do that right let's change that thing and like be done with it and if there's enough value here, this is how internally you can build win. And then you, you're able to say, hey, guys, I told you this will be easier, right? And it's 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 good. And now we were going to do this other thing. And it's going to be even even better for, for everybody. Uh, like uh, I the, the pragmatic, lean approach to changing an organization is, is uh, I think it's the, it's the most uh, uh, effective one. Because in my opinion, it's not really... Um, not the, really the technology per se, or like the processes that you're trying to, to change. It's really like the whole culture. Uh, there's a big cultural shift, right? From going into paper and then just like, hey, well, we're just gonna do the work and that's it, to a continuous improvement type of organization that not only like do it with the, the I don't know, if they're producing part, the part you're doing, but the whole organization. The whole organization will always kind of be incrementally changing stuff until they get like big boost in productivity um mm -hmm. yeah so it's kind of it's kind of my thought uh, on this and i've seen it over and over again and the worst the very worst one i've seen uh are um the ai project um oh AI, really okay yeah, yeah yeah the ai project that pops off in a company that like have barely a data infrastructure and then they're trying to shove this somewhere um it's always a disaster. Always, always a disaster. Um, like the very now, now when I'm, I consult uh, uh, people on that, uh, the very first thing I ask is like, "Show me that data. Right? Where, where, where is that data?" And if I can't see it, I'm like, 
first digitalize your stuff and then we're going to talk about this because this is useless and i think this is where like solution like yours uh come in and like new solution that we see that are trying to take old processes and then uh, digitalizing them uh, comes in because then you're changing something piecewise and then you're able to do something with this digitalized data uh, yeah no, well, those are good points. And you know, right now in Pilot, we are thinking about having small AI projects for all the data that we collect. And a bit like you, we don't know where to start, what to prioritize. So, you know, you, you make a good point. Like start with the data, then see what you can do next. But if you do consulting, hey, I might need your services. <laughs> in the near Perfect, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your stuff and, uh, and see. But honestly, it's, it's very simple. Like it's, if you have enough structured data, you can do something about whatever you're trying to do. If you don't, don't think about it, right? Try to figure out how to get that data and structure it. Most, most issues in AI and a big leap into like a functionality I've seen, we're always coming from, we figure out how to gather a heck load of data and now uh, we have enough to do something about it. Perfect. Um, Thank you, Chris. This was absolutely awesome. Uh, any way that people can reach out to you for um, discussing more labor shortage or anything having to do with uh, uh, digital transformation? Yeah, absolutely. If you have frontline workers that need help in collecting data and getting data from complex systems like ERP, contact us. It's at uh, inpilot.ca. So you just go on the website, you click contact us, and we'll call you in a few days. So thanks again, Yassine. It was a pleasure. Perfect. Amazing. Yeah. So thank you all for listening to this episode of the uh, data-driven supply chain. Um, we'll tune in for next week where we might have another guest. So have a great rest of the week, everyone.